Welcome one, welcome all. You are in the WordPress shop and your wonderful hosts, Adam and Colleen, are here to guide you through answering all of your questions about WordPress. This is a topic that Adam and Colleen both love geeking out about. They are here for it. I'm Colleen LeMasters of Colleen LeMasters Creative, and I specialize in WordPress websites, both design and development. I use thoughtful strategy to create beautifully crafted and optimized websites that are also easy to manage on a day-to-day basis for my clients. Adam Miggetts, located in South Carolina, is a web developer focused on integrating custom functionality to websites. Now let's jump into the episode. Hello. We made it. (laughs) Hello. So, uh, you know what I am doing right now? This is such a Wednesday activity. I'm doing a plug-in audit on all of my client sites to see what they need, if it's still applicable, because, you know, sometimes they things on and they test drive things. And, I, you know, what's funny is I am finding, and this is, this is a good one, they have a plug-in that shows what version of PHP they're using and how much memory and stuff like that, which I know that they don't regularly use like that's it's good to know once and then you know you should probably delete the plugin but you don't need a plugin for that and i was i was like what is this what's happening what is this it's all in the site health so they don't even need that plugin so right i was i was just gonna say that i'm like that's that's odd i maybe it was before they were using that plugin prior to the site health it could have been this is a new site that i inherited so that's what was like oh you know i should do a a plugin audit on all of my sites i haven't done that in in a month or two and go in but that's what kicked it off was this new site and seeing what plugins they're using and seeing when the last time they were updated and you know stuff like that so yeah anyway we'll we'll see how this shakes out but so far i found two unnecessary plugins that we can we can get rid of one being the the PHP version and this is already in site health. And then there's another one that in fairness, I don't know that it was probably set up in such a way because the previous developer probably didn't have a pro license for their, the plugin, but it was advanced custom fields. And a long time ago, I don't really use advanced custom fields. I, I build them myself as my preference, but I do have clients that use it. And a long time ago, they were, I think, getting ready to do away with like one of those lifetime license, you know, like pay once and you're, you are in forever. And I was like, you know, I am going to get that because I see it pop up too frequently. And I would rather just pay for it the one time and, you know, have access to it whenever I need it. So I bought a pro license, but I don't really ever use it. So fast forward to this new site that I'm inheriting, they have advanced custom fields. And then they have an add-on and I was like, what is this? And I think I had to reach out to support, but I think the add-on has since been rolled into the pro version. So, which number one, it's like, I don't know when the last time that add-on was updated, even though it says there's no updates available. Like if it hasn't been updated in five years, like yikes. So anyway, I'm going to see if I can get rid of those two plugins in favor of one pro and hopefully that won't break anything, but we'll see how that goes. But yeah, that is the, uh, that's the name of the game today is, is testing. And then I can, they're also on PHP 7.4. So I'll have to test that out and get them into the eight branch forthwith. So yes. How are you? (laughs) That was a lot for an intro. (laughs) Hello. Yeah, that was, that's, that's wow. So many things just stirred up in my head because of that now. (laughs) I know it's important to do the audits. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just having fun with, I'm still having fun with blocks. I mean, I still, I still love using, basically uh, I'm like, okay, 
I'm using, you know, a meta box over here. I'm like, what is that meta box doing? Is it visual? Can I switch it to a word, a custom WordPress block? I'm like, Ooh, I can't, you know, and now granted only, I basically only do it if it's going, if I need to have extra customization to where, you know, I need to have, you know, add colors and, you know, change things, you know, then because otherwise if it's just setting a certain value or setting certain things, I don't really need to have a, a block because it's not really doing anything. So that got me thinking, you know, cause of course I, I, you know, have forms and things. I'm like, you know what? A form block would be cool. So I made a form block as a nested block with another form block form field block I created. So you can add as many form fields as you can. And the form block actually, when you use it, I have adds it enqueues a, a JavaScript that basically if you add a, a button that you customize it turns it into type submit so that way it works with the form as a submit button but you can customize it in you know the editor you know however you want wait so it's a form but it, but it doesn't require any form plugin no gravity forms no contact form seven none of that it's just your own coded form block correct, correct. is that what i'm hearing Amazing. So it still uses admin form, form action, whatever is going to be still using the default, the built-in form action, admin dash post, whatever it is. And then it just ties back to a handle function that I have that handles, you know, what it's doing. So if it's in the settings of the block, if it's a normal one, I, I just have it basically grab whatever, you know, that person entered and it's going to enter it in as entry and then, you know, puts it into entries or whatever. Or you can drop it down and say, hey, I want this is a sign-up form. So then, you know, I also have a, a thing where I can turn on payment form to where if there's payment gateway, gateway set up, it uses that and it'll add that into, you know, their, whoever we're using, you know, Square or whatever. It'll say, okay, here's the credit card information, you know, apply that inside the form or apply that into that block so that you can, the user can enter their credit card information. How cool is that? That's a great use of blocks because now you know that you have a lean function. I mean, it's a plugin that you've created, but it's lean, it's optimized, and it doesn't have any extra stuff that you may not need, which is a big problem with some of these. I mean, I don't know that it's necessarily quite the issue that it once was, you know, maybe two or three years ago. There's all these plugins because in fairness, they have to appeal to the masses, right? And so your use case may not be the same as your use case. And so they need, they need all those options so that they can, you know, cast a wide net. If you're not using those options, it's all that extra bloat stuff that can slow down your site. So that's awesome. You just created your own using the blocks and created your own blocks. That's very cool. Good, good use of blocks. I think that's awesome. Yeah. I just wanted a simple way just to add form using blocks, because then what I can do is I can add, if I want a separator or whatever, or spacing or whatever in, you know, between two fields, I can add that. If I want to add an extra, you know, image between something, add an image in there, whatever. I can still customize it however I want using the blocks. So blocks. Right. Very cool. I love that. I, I, I want to mess around more because I got into right before Christmas, I got into, you know, doing all that block stuff and it was super fun. And then I took a break and, you know, we had the holidays and everything came back. And now I, I lost my, my momentum, I guess. So I want to dive back into it, but I almost have to refresh 
where I was because I don't remember <laughs> where I left off with things. So I'm going to have to do that and hopefully in the next couple of weeks. But I've been trying to wrap up a couple little client projects before we dive into today's topic about site optimization, speaking of. But I wanted to tell you that I created this Ajax filter, which I don't really, I haven't messed around in Ajax too much and, and done, I haven't had a need to do things with this filtering. But I have a, a client who has a bunch of posts. It's a custom post type that we created. And it's, I, I may have mentioned this to you before, but they're brand assets, right? And so here's the different logo files. Here's the different imagery that might be needed. And then, you know, a member of the, the trade or the media could go on and find a photo associated with a specific product. Because on when you're adding that brand asset, you can use I have custom taxonomies. So you can associate that product with a, or that asset with a particular product. But then because they have so many assets, I needed a way to, you know, readily filter even deeper than just like, oh, here is that taxonomy and it filters out just by, you know, the, the type of asset that it is, right? I actually, I started doing it and I thought I had everything the way that I wanted, but then I realized I had the filter, it was filtering by the two custom taxonomies. So you could put one taxonomy in as your kind of your search term or your filter term and it would work you could put two taxonomies in and it would filter and only find the ones that were in both but and here was the the tricky part that I was so excited about and totally geeked out on I needed a way to filter on a meta value and so I was like ooh and I wasn't quite sure where to begin with that because again it was similar to the the block issue like I had done a lot of this stuff before the holidays and then to come back to it, I kind of forgot where I left off with, with the coding. And so I was kind of diving into the code and was like, oh man, how am I going to tweak this to remove uh, or to, you know, add in a meta value? And you know what I did? I'm, I am such a nerd. I went on chat GPT and was like, okay, chat GPT using this code, add in a filter for a meta value called X. And it didn't, of course, give me what I wanted because it never does, but it gave me a good framework within the context that I had already given it. And it made that job so much easier. And so I got this cool filter going. So on the front end, a user can go on the, the archive page of this custom post type and there's, there's filters set up. My only concern is because there is so much data that it's filtering via Ajax that I'm wondering if it's impacting my site speed. So I wanted to see if you had had any experience with this kind of Ajax filtering and pulling querying posts and stuff. Do you know anything about that? Um, well, I mean, it's a, so if you're using an Ajax call to make the filter or you can use a filter where, you know, what I'm trying to say, a, a query on, you know, the page query, whether it's, you know, it doesn't have to be a form. It could be say like a get, right? So it, it refreshes the page, but it still comes back with, you know, whatever the information that it did. So you can do either way. Some people don't care if it refreshes the page. Some people don't want to see that and they want to have it kind of behind the scenes. So the course they use, you can use the Ajax call. So it does it kind of where the client's kind of waiting and then, you know, client being the browser, then, you know, gets the information based on whatever the, the, the request is so which is faster i mean it's both are still using you know whatever the functionality that you're doing they're still processing so which is faster i, I don't know because they're still making that request it's just two different ways but 
I don't know. I think it would be a matter of milliseconds because as far as which one to use, it would just come down to how you're filtering. It's, you know, sluggish, you know, doing the filtering or if you're doing too much or whatever, but if it's just doing a simple query, then it should still come back fairly fast. I mean, it's not, to be fair, it's not slow. It's just not as fast. And because it is happening in the page without a refresh. So it's, it is, you know, it's almost instantaneous, but not quite. And so I think it's just because honestly, when you're running the query, there's so many assets by which to, you know, query that it is, you know, it does take a second for it to load. When and I got to do a little more playing with it, I think. So when you're, so when it sends the stuff back to the front end or back to the back end, so are you just doing a, an actual, are you using like, you know, get posts and then putting it arguments from whatever the, the filter is inside the, you know, the arguments for the, the get posts and then just to, to deliver that out? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, you can, you can chat. So instead of using and doing an Ajax, a jQuery Ajax call, you can try the fetch API, which is just. Uh -huh. Okay. Basically, it doesn't use Ajax, meaning jQuery. It just uses mm -hmm. the Fetch API, which is built into JavaScript. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, you can change it, but again, that might be, you know, milliseconds. Right. Or either zero milliseconds or like mm -hmm. a difference of like, you know, very little. <laughs> so right, right, right. You know, I, I don't think it's going to make it that much difference, you know. The well, so here's, here's something that is interesting to me. And this might be to your point, it's we're talking a difference of milliseconds, because so I added in a in my my JavaScript file, I added in like a processing message where it says, hold, please processing your request when they, you know, when they are selecting their filters. And on my staging site, which only has two or three test assets, it the message won't even show because it doesn't have a chance to before the results pop up. So it is super fast. On the client staging site with the actual number of assets that are in there, it actually will like flash for a second and then it loads. So it, that's the difference. And that's why I'm assuming it's based on the number of assets that it's querying, just because on my my local, it won't even show before it doesn't have a chance to, but it does for a brief second on the client site. But keep in mind, your local is your your own machine, right? It doesn't have to, have to use the internet. True, so true. Yeah, there's no internet. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So good point. Anyway, but I got all excited about that and I was going to dive back into it today. And then I was like, you know, I, I do need to, I just got this site yesterday. I really want to dive into it and make sure it's secure and updated. And that's where I was this morning when it was because I wanted to make sure that I was auditing those, those plugins appropriately. And then it got me thinking about site optimization and just especially because we were talking about optimization because I was, it was in that frame of mind with this this filtering plugin and making sure it's doing its job, but at what cost to the site speed, right? Because that's such a, a big Google indicator or a big factor in your, your Google rankings is your site speed. Thought we should maybe talk about a couple of easy ways, kind of like low hanging fruit for site optimization for WordPress. So uh, I don't know if you have any off the top of your head, but feel free to, to dive in if you or, or interject if you have one, well, uh, but one, I have a couple in mind. Go for it. Well, one thing I do like is that that WordPress by default with their block ready themes, especially like, you know, 2024 or whatever, I think even 2023 anyway, but with the block ready themes, what they do is they turn 
I, well, there might be one or two, but basically everything is is by default an inline CSS, which is nice because you know, of course, you know, Google's gonna you know come back and be like, oh, it's you know, you know, you, you better you know better to use you're using too many things. You know, it's better to use inline rather than like have that big ugly link files. at the in the footer kind of thing. That's like here's a link, here's a link, here's a link. Right, <laughs> it's all exactly. The style and <laughs> if you and by default, if you use the attribute, what is it, media? Use the attribute media. It defaults it to all, which is render blocking. Now, granted, you know it, it comes down to milliseconds, but that is one of the points that if you look at the Google speed, you know, and then go into render blocking, that's one of the things they say is, you know, it should be, you know, media should be screen and not all. Um, so you can right. It, you know, so, mm -hmm. but that's just one thing. And then the other thing is how much is it loading? Like, you know, is, is the specific theme going to load every CSS, you know, part of the library for every, like for every page. And then you're only using, you know, 2% CSS, you know, components, you know, that's, that's my issue is, you know, the CSS should only be loaded or whatever, should, needed, whatever, whatever really. components you're using, then that's what the CSS should be loading right now. It's in general, it loads a lot. Like for instance, you know, it does load, you know, WP block, whatever that is. So it's, it's loading a lot of, you know, CSS out of the box. So I would, I could even slim it down, but you know, I don't mess around with that. I just let, let WordPress, you know, load really it shouldn't you should only load whatever the page needs so if the page only uses you know the you know certain css that associated with certain components that's what it should load is my point that's what i say yeah and it's um and that kind of goes back to the the you know everyone always says like oh how many plugins is too many plugins well the reason there's a couple reasons but one of the reasons that plugins you don't want to have too many is because they're all loading all of their files and so, you know, to your point, we don't want all of those files loaded and stacked up one after the other, especially if you're not using them. So that's kind of in part where, you know, limiting the number of plugins or only doing plugins, only installing and using plugins that you're actively, you know, using the majority, if not all of the components of it. So if you find a plugin and it does 17 different things, but you only need two of them, that's not an optimized plugin for your use case. So you'd be better off finding something else that is, you know, to your suited and tailored to your needs. But that would be, you know, that would definitely be something worth going over and looking at your plugins, kind of doing that plugin audit, being like, am I still using this? You know, what what is the, the weight on my site that this plugin, because a lot of plugins will, that's one of the big things that if you go into the repository or, you know, you're looking to buy a plugin, they're like, oh, it's super lightweight. And that's a great, like, that's a huge selling point because if it's lightweight, you know that it's not going to bog down your site. So that's a, a big one as well. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about was images and video for that matter, because I have had, I don't know if it's just me, but there's been an uptick in client requests to have video on their website. And I know video is a big thing, especially from a social media standpoint, but I cannot stress enough, your don't host videos on your website, like put them on YouTube and then embed them on your website or put them on Vimeo and then embed them on your website. It just, it takes up a lot of horsepower and those platforms will optimize the video when you upload it. And so you aren't uploading that three gigabyte <laughs> video file on your website, but 
but you still get the benefit of having the video on your website if it's embedded from YouTube or Vimeo or one of those types of platforms. So that would be a big one because a lot of people are seem to be coming to me and they're like, oh, I want to put this video on my website. I'm like, well, that's great, but let's host it somewhere else and then embed it. I think that's a big thing. And then where images are concerned, it's really important to use proper sized images. And WordPress does a great job of selecting the right image size for the use case. What I like to tell my clients, and people may or may not be aware of this, but when you upload an image to WordPress, out of the box, if you're just using like a default 2024 theme and you upload an image to WordPress, WordPress is gonna automatically create a couple different sizes. And so if you give WordPress a larger image to start, like let's say I, I typically upload images that are 2,400 pixels wide or high, they're optimized for the web. So I, I use Photoshop and they have like a save for web kind of function. So I am doing 2,400 pixels wide, 72 DPI. So it's a low resolution. It's not something that's going to, and when I say low resolution, I mean, it's not for print. It'll still look good on a computer screen, but it's, it's not high resolution, which is what you would typically use in a print environment. And I'm trying to get my images under like, if I can, under 500 kilobytes, which isn't that that hard to do, I found. If you give WordPress a large image to start, it will break down the appropriate sizes and then it will know, oh, you're on a phone, you don't need that 200 or that you know 2400 pixel wide image. Let's use the smaller version that was automatically created upon upload. It cannot create larger sizes. So that's the important thing. And that's why I always tell my clients and why I start with a larger image is because it cannot, you know, it can't, it can't make a small thing big. It'll pixelate it. The big thing is to start with a large image in terms of dimensions, not in terms of resolution. Again, you, you want to keep it under 500 kilobytes, but the pixel dimensions, you know, starting with a larger pixel dimension is the way to go because then WordPress will break it down and then find automatically without you having to do anything, you know, it will, it will use that right image for the right size screen, which I think is really important because then you're loading, you know, the appropriately sized image. And if you've ever seen any of your images in a browser, like if you like open the open image in a new tab and you look at the link, it might be like, image file dash 300 by 200 dot jpg or whatever it is and that little extension with the numbers is wordpress's added image file it's their optimized image file that they've added for you and that was the use case or the image that they needed to use in that particular instance and they still keep your your original one on so you can have an original you can have and adam correct me if i'm wrong but i think there is there's large medium and thumbnail and the thumbnail is typically 150 by 150, but you can change that in the settings if I'm not mistaken. Does that sound right? Yeah, out of the box when you go to the media section in the back end, then I think it's media. I think it's media. I think it is. Um, yeah. You, you go and you add different size. You change those those sizes. You can change the 150 to whatever you want for thumbnails. Mm -hmm. But what I also like is the, that WordPress will use the attribute source set and different sizes in the source set attribute so that the browsers can say. Oh, you're using source set. Great. Which, you know, what, you know, and then when it knows what device it's, it's delivering it to, it'll, it'll use that size uh, that's supposed to use. So that's a nice, nice thing. Right. It'll pick from its, its set and be like, oh, this is the one that fits best. And so, cause it, you've given it, WordPress has given it the, the appropriate choices. It just has to pick. 
So yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a really important, important point. And then if there is, because again, I have Photoshop, I, I use Photoshop, but you don't have to, there's other services and other programs that you can do to resize your photos to that 2,400 pixels wide or 2000. I mean, you, you pick what's going to look best on your well, site, but I like big images. A lot, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I a lot of people use Canva. Like I don't, I use uh, GIMP. Right. Um, a lot of people mm -hmm. use Adobe. A lot of people, you, people use Canva and I'm sure Canva gives you templates that have a myriad of, of different sizes and things. Um, For sure. Right. And you can set the pixels and do things like that. Definitely. But you can also see, I, the other reason I like to start with bigger images is because if I ever decide as I'm kicking around right now, the idea of a redesign you don't necessarily know what size images you'll need. Like, what if you don't have a need for big images right now? In two years, when you redesign your site, you want that big hero image and you're like, oh, it's not in my media library because I only uploaded the small one. If you start big and work your way down, and again, when I say big, I'm not talking about file size. Like if you're uploading an image that's larger, like a meg or bigger, like you need to optimize that and make it smaller and, and change that resolution. If you start with a pixel dimension big, you know, or 2400 by 1600, whatever it might be. And then, you know, optimizing that. So that one is say 300 kilobytes and uploading that you can do a lot with that one image based on on your WordPress setup. And if you do change themes later on and you, you need to pop those images in, you can always regenerate the thumbnails, which are those, those different sizes that WordPress offers. Some themes may create additional thumbnail sizes that are specific to that theme. There's a plugin out there that will regenerate the thumbnails if you activate a new theme and it will take all of your original images, you know, and this is one of those one-time use plugins in my mind. It's not something that you need to keep on your site once you install it and run it and regenerate your plugins and you, you have all the results, then you can actually delete it and you don't need it anymore. So that would be something to keep in mind, but it will regenerate the appropriate sizes based on that new theme and what's, you know, what the theme would otherwise tell WordPress to create in addition to the ones that are out of the box. There's also plugins that will optimize photos. There's Smush, there is Short dot short pixel maybe i can't think of the name of it but smush is a really popular one i use imagify can you think of some other ones um not for as far as uh plugins no those are the kind of the ones that i've seen uh i was going to add that i also have been converting images unless it's a specific image that somebody doesn't want to mess with the format but i'll change most images formats to uh the webp format yes Google. oh yes that's a really good point mm-hmm there is, oh, here's something super WordPress geeky that I think you'll love because <laughs> I was very excited about it. I'm going to have to look it up and pull up his name, but I, I think I told you that I listened to a bunch of different podcasts while I'm at the gym and I heard, I think it was WP Tavern. I think it was Nathan Wrigley and either on WP Tavern or WP Jukebox podcast. He was talking about, saw this like Twitter video of this uh, gentleman who has worked in WordPress for a while and he was working on setting up some native like in the core function I don't know when when or if it will be incorporated into core but it's right now in a plugin form where you install the plugin and it will automatically convert 
all of the images to WebP. It will, you know, or you can pick, you can set like a global setting or you can do it on a per image basis, but it will optimize and convert to like a web ready featured, or excuse me, that's not the right term, a web ready format of images. And I'm going to have to go and look at that and find that because it was hearing him talk all about it. It was Pascal Birchler. I could be saying his name wrong. He is, it's not just image, but it's also video processing as well. Um, it was a really, really informative podcast. And it was like, he's using the power of the browser really. So he didn't even need internet. So like if you had a local install of WordPress or you're on an airplane, you don't have you know internet access, but you want to get a couple blog posts done and you want to upload your images and do all that. It, the plugin does it all within WordPress and using this web assembly kit, I guess it is, that's part of the browser. Um, he's kind of harnessing that power. It was anyway, it was, fascinating as a WordPress geek, I was like, Oh, this is amazing. And it's in basically enhancing all the, the media capabilities in the block editor for WordPress. So it was super cool. I, I love this idea. And in future updates, or even now, one of like the smush and the ones that you were mentioning, the plugins, they might do some of an abbreviation or, you know, abbreviated version of what, you know, those are, those are doing. They might have that functionality also. I don't know. Since they, since that's a specific, you know, convert, Plug, uh, pictures to stuff. Yeah, they may because it, especially because the WebP and I think that the other one is is it Avif A V I F Avif I don't know if I'm saying that right. I use WebP, but because I don't think all browsers support uh, support AVIF just yet, and I think WebP is more widely supported. It's it was a fascinating look about growing and and performance optimization and you know compliance with web standards and things like that. So if you want to listen to it. I highly recommend it. it was like a very fascinating 35 minutes uh, podcast, but it's on, if you go to wptavern.com slash podcast, you can find it. And it was one of their recent episodes, like in, in January here this year. So definitely recommend listening to a podcast with Pascal on the, the image and video processing in WordPress. It was just, it was totally like mind blowing. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool that they could do all these cool things. And he'd even talked about like setting up and using some of this, this web assembly kit. And there was another, there's another system I think he was, he was tapping into, but basically having auto captions, like closed captioning on your videos automatically populated for accessibility reasons and SEO. Re it was just, it was, it was all fascinating. So highly recommend it. <laughs> yeah. Those are good features, especially for the captions thing. But I think like we're like some software third-party stuff. Like I think is it Descript? I'm not sure, but I think they automatically do all the all the captions and stuff for you. There's so there's software that that makes it really cool to be like, all right, they handle all my captions. I don't have to you know sit here and figure out you know how am I gonna, what am I gonna do for the right captions? So that's very very cool. Right, and but I just love the idea of something like that for that's like a core optimization being brought into core and having that out of the box so you don't have to try and be like well i don't have photoshop how do i optimize an image or how do i get a webp image you know what i mean it's it's and the fact that you don't have to have internet to do it and so you aren't you know i mean i think that a lot of people in the wordpress space talk about how it's it's really one of the benefits of wordpress is that anybody can use it it's open source and you know you'd spin up a hosting environment and you can you can pay a company like siteground or you know wp engine but there are ways to get 
your website out there for free. So people with like zero to, you know, very little budget could get their website up and running. And it's one less thing that they have to pay for or one less service that they have to pay for to like, you know, oh, with this optimization and photo optimization software, I can only do five images and then they're going to charge me. Right. You know, so it, it could be really cool if it's brought into core out of the out of the box. You have this optimization, you know, for image and video right within WordPress. So I, I was super pumped about that. I thought it was really cool. Or even like I like things like uh, Oracle, like the Oracle offers a free free for life. Uh, Yes. Right. So up to a certain small, if a website that, you know, up, I forget what their, their specs are on the server specs, mm -hmm. but basically you can run it for life. Outside but hopefully that. by that time you have grown your business to a point where you can afford to spend a little bit on your hosting, you know, and, and scale up. <laughs> right. Exactly. But that's such a great, th I was like, I was like, wow, that's really interesting. So that way you can actually have a website without, you know, oh, I just want to start, but I don't have any money, you know, so it's, mm -hmm. you know, people can kind of get in and see what, where it's usable. People can use it and get all the, the kinks out of it and see how it's being used. And then from there, oh, now we have, you know, 8 million people using it. Well, of course, yeah. Right. Crash, so yeah, you have to scale <laughs> it up now. <laughs> exactly. But that's a, that's a, a good, you know, but of course then you, that's, that's good. Cause then hopefully you're monetizing and, and then mm -hmm. you, know, you have the money to cover all the, whatever right. Oracle charges for uh, the next, you know, scalable tiers. Well, and that also, you know, talking about how to best optimize your site, hosting is a major part of it. And I think that's something that's often overlooked because all of these, I, you know, and I, before we ahead. get get ahead, I just want to say one thing. Yeah. Don't host on GoDaddy. You Thank your, you. Yes. Have your uh, <laughs> domain, but not for hosting. So I had to say it. <laughs> no, it's so here is here's what I was going to say about that is that companies like that make it so easy to get your like, oh, well, you know, $1.99 a month. I mean, how do you turn down? I can't even get a cup of coffee for $1.99. You know what I mean? So it's really enticing when you hear that. But number one, know that that price is going to jump significantly when your term is over and it's like 199 per month, but only if you sign up for a three-year term, but at the end of those three years, boy, that will go up probably 500%. I mean, I'm no math major, but it will go up a lot. Not to mention the fact that the resources, you get what you pay for when it comes to hosting. The resources on that $1.99 a month hosting are tight. And Adam has heard me say it before, but this is the best analogy that I, I can come up with that I think really resonates is a shared hosting environment where that's, you know, that small fee that you're paying. That is you living in an apartment complex with one water heater and you are sharing that water heater with all of the other apartments in the building and good luck getting a hot shower. So it's worth paying a little bit more and seeing if you can get your own water heater and getting your own resources as far as hosting. It, it goes a long way because then you're not sharing with everybody else trying to do something. And, you know, Lord knows what they're doing on their websites and the horsepower that they need. So it's worth having, you know, you get what you pay for with the hosting. No question in my mind. I've been really happy with WP Engine. I know it's a little bit more expensive, but I really, as a developer, I like the fact that they give you a staging site for free. So it's super easy to, you know, push and pull from staging to production because I do have those clients that are like, oh, let's try this new feature. And I'm like, whoa, let's not do that in a live environment. And site, yeah, SiteGround. I was going to say SiteGround. Site yeah. Also. Yeah. You, is that your preferred 
hosting site ground? Um, I, I don't know about preferred. I mean, it depends on where the client wants to host it. So <laughs> I kind of go wherever, wherever that is. But I've used site ground a lot. But site ground also, they have a, what they call it, a collaborator. So if, say, a client sets up their, their site ground account, they can just add, like, they can add me as a collaborator. And then when I log in, it's my own login. So there's no, like, sharing of codes or passwords or whatever. So I log into SiteGround. When I log in, I can say, oh, go to collaborator. Adam is a collaborator. You know, allow him. So when I go, I can go to just his site and then go to, you know, just the site stats or, or logs or see see what I need to see on just that site. I don't, I'm not seeing any of his, you know, the billing part or admin part or any of that. It's just his site. Um, and then, of course, he can just delete it and take me off and then I'm off. So I like that that feature. I do, too. I think that's so it's such a benefit because I cannot tell you how many times a client will give me and you're right it it does depend on where the client wants to host i can i can try and steer them in a direction at the end of the day they're the ones paying the bills because at, you should never have the hosting like put it in your own name if it's your website the hosting the domain should all be in your name they should not be in the name of your developer or any of your partners because if that person gets hit by a bus or the relationship sours or anything like that you want to make sure that you have ownership over that. So that's why that's so important. I couldn't believe this, but where I where I used to work for a business and local business and I hadn't, you know, it's been several years since I've been away and I got a call from someone and asking me, uh, Adam, hey, do you have any of the um the website uh, passwords and stuff? I'm like, gosh, no, I don't I don't keep, you know, have any of that. I don't even know where they even host it anymore because it's been, you know, at this point it was six or seven years. And apparently whoever they, you know, they hired, you know, back then after I had left, set up a, a website and did it, but it was all in their name. And then they kind of dropped off or left or I don't know what, what happened. They could not access their own website because they were not technically the owners. I was like, oh my God. That happens so frequently though. It's, it is sad because I, I have a same story where I got a new client and they tried to put me in touch with their previous person who was just, it was like a side project for them and it wasn't their full-time job. So they weren't responsive. They weren't getting back to us and they weren't, they weren't sharing any of the info that we needed for the domain. And so we ended up getting them a brand new hosting plan for the website. And this was fine because it was a brand new site. There wasn't anything to migrate or anything like that, but we had to start over with a brand new domain because they wouldn't give up. They just wouldn't respond. It wasn't even that they wouldn't give it to us. They just wouldn't respond. And she was like, I need to get this website up. Yeah, I, I don't know what ended up happening with the old domain, but it's just hanging out there, not doing anything, confusing things that you know someone Googles because they'd had like a coming soon page up on that original domain for so long that it has you know, gain some traction with Google. And so now it's just creating confusion between the real site and the one that we can't access. So that's kind of a bummer, but yeah, I, I just, it put everything in your own name. I cannot stress that enough. And then give your developer or your, your partner agency, whatever delegate access. And I, WP engine does the same thing. So I have, you know, probably about six clients through WP engine and I log in with my own email, my own password, and I can toggle between those sites, those clients as needed. You know, I do have full disclosure. I do have some clients on GoDaddy. So they do at least have that delegate access because can't tell you how many times I have, I have seen, Oh, do you have the two-factor code? Oh, wait, here it is. I, let me send it to you now. Oh, it's already expired. Can you send it again? I mean, it's just like 
that back and forth of the two factor, which I totally get why it's needed and, you know, safety first, but when you're trying to get something done, it's super frustrating. So, uh, love yeah, the delegate even just for that, the shared, the non, you know, having your own login, you know, that you can reset your own password, however, and that set is, is so much better because then it's like you said, it's, it's controlled. First of all, you, you don't have to, if you're going in at three o'clock in the morning, you're not waiting for a code. And you have to try to wake somebody up at three o'clock in the morning to give me that code. No, 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 not good. Yeah, that will also, fly. <laughs> if, if you're not part of that project anymore, the the owner, you know, the site, the client can be like, okay, I can just delete, you know, these people off. Yeah, remove the their site. permissions and away you go. Yeah, I, I, not that this is web related, but the biggest culprit of the the two factor code is always the Mailchimp. A lot of my clients, like almost all of my clients, use Mailchimp because it's cheap and elegant, and well, at least it used to be. But if you don't pay for, you know, if you're just using the free version, they don't give you any extra. I think they call them seats, and so you have to share passwords, which number one is completely unsafe, and number two is a pain in the you know what when you have to try and log in, and I'm in Northern California, but they're account was created in Kentucky and they're like, whoa, 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 this is suspicious. You know, it's just, I, but I'm legit trying to log in and help and you have to wait for the code and anyway. So off topic because we were talking about how to optimize your website, but a, a prime tip nonetheless is to keep everything in your own name and don't share passwords. Look for a way to give delegate access through their own, the, the partner's own email for sure. <laughs> Yeah, I've actually had, uh, it's funny, there was a, a custom theme, this is a few years ago, I, I had to go in and do, do a, I did a custom plugin for them, but they had, the site was already set up and there was a custom theme by from somebody that they weren't in contact with anymore. <clears throat> so I was looking around and they actually had embedded in the theme as a script that even if you, so if you go to the back end, you say, okay, user is, you know, whatever his name was, right, the, the old user, you delete it. And then once it refreshes, he has a script that actually puts it back in so you can never actually delete that username. <laughs> um, so sketchy. Which, but also, which I mean, if like... he's still in, in the project part, that's fine because in that mm -hmm. way, you know, he's always can get back in. However, he didn't tell anybody to take it out or remove it or he didn't remove it himself, which means he's not part of it, which he needs to have access. So. I right. actually go into the code and remove that script out of there. Or actually, I think we use a different theme, but you know, so that that was just like, what? I I could not. Yeah, what is happening? That. <laughs> it's that's it's. I hadn't thought about doing something like that before. I mean, but it just goes to show you, you can do whatever you want with WordPress, and and that developer chose to chose to do that with it. But it also brings up a good point about auditing your not you know not only your plugins but audit your users and their permissions levels. Try really hard not to give out higher permissions than absolutely necessary for your WordPress sites. And that's, that's why WordPress has those permission tiers. So it's worth looking and the into. the script added, you know, the script that added, you know, add a new user, if it was, if it didn't, you know, wasn't already, it didn't already exist, it added as an admin administrator. Right. Which is basically the keys to the castle, you know? And so it's important to, to look at those and be like, do they really need, you know, access to like, I, I do, I, Go back and forth. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this because I always think that my client should have maximum, like my client, the one, like my point of contact who's going to be doing the day-to-day -day updates, whatnot. They should be an admin because if I get hit by a bus, there needs to be another admin who's internal on that team. There are those clients that never go into their website. They only have me do stuff. Anytime they even need to do a content update, they just email me. And I'm like, well, you know, 
I don't love that they're just hanging out as an admin when I know that they're not using it and not needing to log in. But do I make them an editor? Do I downgrade them? Or do I leave them as an admin, but then like enable like a two-factor authentication so they have to use that if they, on the off chance they do log in or, or like, I don't know. What do you think? Do you have any thoughts on that? I would, what I do is I set up two. So I set up an admin for them, right? And then in their documentation, they send so they have it so they can always log in should something happen to me or whatever. They always have it admin rights, but their main ad or their main login can be editor or whatever. And then they can just go in and do what they want or if they never use it, whatever. But at least in the documentation or in the papers or whatever that I send them, they at least have a way because should something happen to me, they can actually log in as an administrator rather than be like, oh, well, this is not even an administrator. I can't. So at least they have it, but they have to just look and log in as, you know, whatever that that admin. So I just make them a separate user. So that way it's not being used all the time if they do log in. So okay. um, that's just kind of the way how I, how I view it. Well, so that was, that brings up a good question and goes back to what we should probably leave the room with today, which is our, our standing banner of please update your plugins and your themes and your WordPress core files. Because here's an instance where we had, it was the president of a company, they made her an ad. So my point person was an admin, but she was in the website all the time. So she needed to be an admin. They were not, I, you know, I told them, update your plugins, you need to do it. Or you can, you know, here's my service that does it for you, you know, weekly. They were like, no, no, we'll take care of it. Don't worry. So I'm like, okay. Anyway, fast forward, the president of the company wanted to be an admin on the site. Okay, president of the company says they want to be an admin, you got to make them an admin, right? So that's what she did. Not this wasn't my doing, but that's what their web person did. Well, the president never logged in like ever. And unbeknownst to me, they had a fairly weak password. And you can see where I'm going with this. So they also weren't regularly updating plugins. Somebody had tried to put on probably the web person at one point wanted to put in like a script or something. She put in, I don't even know what it was. It was like a it, one of those plugins that allows you to put your Facebook pixel code in or something like that. Anyway, long story short, they went in through the admin who never used her account through her, her weak password and absolutely like wreaked havoc on the site so that sometimes, not all the time, so this was the tricky part, was that you didn't always realize that you'd been hacked because you could go to the site and it would behave normally. And other times you would go to the site and it would redirect you to some like Chinese spammy site, right? But it was hit and miss. You never knew when it was going to happen. So you're like, ah, maybe I just clicked the wrong button or, you know, that's weird. I'm not going to think anything of it. Lo and behold, that's what it was is they'd been compromised because they had, they had admin. Oh, I know what it was. I beg your pardon. She didn't try to put on one of those plugins. They had, uh, because she was administrator, that's right. She was an admin and I had installed WordFence prior to handing off the site to them. I totally forgot about this. This is kind of a key part. I had installed WordFence because the administrator with a weak password, I'm still not certain how this happened. They, and I wasn't the admin, like, you know how the site settings in WordPress notify you, like if there's a critical error on the website, it goes to the email of like the site administrator. Well, they had changed that over to their in-house person because I wasn't the administrator after they launched, right? Mm -hmm. Cool. WordFence was deactivated. So this like rogue someone or other, I don't know how it happened because I wasn't wasn't in charge of it. They deactivated WordFence, which normally would trigger a notification to the site admin 
it, it didn't because I didn't get it, but I also wasn't the site admin, so who knows? And then they installed a code plugin. So it was like a, a series of awful things. Their site got hacked because the admin, she had admin rights, didn't need them, but also had a weak password. So the combination of these things, that's the one thing about WordPress is because it's open source and you can do so many things with it, you can also do so many things. Right. And so you want to be mindful. You don't want to just like install things willy nilly. That was a that was an education when they came back to me. And I was like, how the heck did this happen? And I started like peeling back the onion. And that's what I found. So well, see, and yeah. that, again, you know, going with the the, uh, the thing that if you make somebody an, an admin administrator, you know, rights with the with their user, I would actually go one step further and look to see how often those admin or at least the admin administrator roles users are logging in if they haven't logged in in months or weeks or or put a certain time on it if they're not logging in i would bump them down to editor so that it wouldn't so that way even if they have a weak password number one it would you know stop that so if somebody doesn't won't have you know hacks it then it won't have administrator password and then or you can also do a check to where you can see if they're using a weak password, right? There's certain, I think there's even a plugin that, that tests to see if, you, if your password's weak. And if it is, then you bump them down to, you know, a lower, uh, you know, off, or at least off of administrator role. Um, but there's another uh, check or at least add something to add to the checklist. For, right, a little stopgap maybe. Yeah. yeah. I get why that you think, oh, admin, here you go. You can do whatever you need to do. But also that is just one more kind of um, access point for bad actors. And I know that it's funny because our talks always take that turn towards WordPress security. So we should really just have some some dedicated talks on security because today was supposed to be about optimization. I will tell you right now that cleaning up from a hacked site, not very fun. And there's so many other, like, just because you get whatever, you close the access point to where the hacker or the bad actor got in, that the job is not done there. It's like, it's a, it's an in-depth thing. So it's best to avoid it at all possible. Anyway, and good, but go ahead. Just by, yeah, well, I was going to say, just by checking, having those few checks, even, you know, daily or weekly is worth it than going through the hassle of cleaning up your. your totally. Website. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So really quick before we wrap up, wanted to kind of recap some of the optimization tips because this is a great time. Google is always looking at site speed. They want to make sure that your content is helpful and, and you know, that's what they're looking or what people are looking for. But if your site isn't going to load and it's not going to load quickly, people are going to bounce and Google's going to be like, well, that probably wasn't helpful because they didn't stay on the site. So best to get your site speed checked. The first place you might want to stop would be either Google Lighthouse tools in Chrome. You can right click and inspect and use Lighthouse to kind of see what your performance, give it, give it that zero through 100. And, you know, and that's, hopefully. It, yeah, what's that, is that tied to web? What is it? Web.dev.com? No, web, no, dev.web.com? No, what's, what's the? Oh, word? I don't know. I always just use Google. it in Chrome. No, there's actually an address. If you go to Google. I'm Googling it right now. I didn't yeah, know. It's, uh, if, if you use, if you say Google's web speed uh, and then it'll come up. And there's, like well, there's developer.chrome.com. Um, no, 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 no. It's like web. Ah, I forget now. I have to look it up. But Okay. Um, oh, yes. pagespeed.web.dev. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. 
that's, that's yes. Google Twitter. Or you can, dot you, web can, dot web. you can use the other one that's, you know, Geometrics or Gmetrics. GT or... Metrics. Yeah, they yeah. changed their layout. And so they make you, they don't make you log in email address or something. Now, oh, I used really? to use them all the time. But uh, yeah, they, I mean, it's not, uh, they haven't really done anything with it as far as I know. Because I, I went on, it's GT Metrics. Oh, maybe not. Maybe they went back to their old... I'm just loading it. And before they had a new interface, and I was like, whoa, 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 what is this? Let me, I'm going to log in or I'm going to analyze the performance and see if they make me, no, nope, it's back to normal. Great. So maybe that, maybe that didn't go over well. And they were like, People nope, we got to revert. Yeah. <laughs> but you can use GT metrics, which is G-T-M-E-T-R-I-X, gtmetrics.com. There's Pingdom. There is, as Adam said, the pagespeed.web.dev, which is the Google PageSpeed Insights. And that is really fascinating. You can get some good insight in there as well. But you can start and you'll see using those tools, you'll see what is taken up, you know, a lot of that that load time and things like that. So it's it's helpful to kind of have a baseline of where and then see what changes you can make, optimizing your images, minifying your your code, your scripts and think your CSS, stuff like that, as Adam said, you know, keeping that in line and see what kind of changes you and results you get using those tools. And it's interesting those separate tools give you different results. Like found that the Google one is a little more picky. You'll get maybe a lower, like if you're getting a 95 or higher on like GG metrics, you know, or something, and you run the same site on like say using the Google one, you might get a 90 or it's just funny. It's fascinating that it's uh, they come up with, cause they, they each have their own, they each look at sites differently. So, but the, so the results are different. I know. It's not funny how that works. You know, one of the things that just popped into my head because I was looking at, as I was testing out the page speed insights, everyone talks about the cumulative layout shift, the CLS, when you're looking at, that's something that maybe we'll have to go into in another room or all these different specs that these, the lighthouse spits out. It's interesting because the reason I bring up the, the layout shift. So that is like when you're loading a website you go on the website, but the images haven't fully loaded. And then you go like before it even loads, you like go to click on something, but then you can't click it because the image has suddenly appeared and shifted all the other stuff that you were going to click on. One of the things that that plugin that I, or that Pascal Birchler, the, the podcast that I listened to, one of the things that his plugin does is it automatically puts in like a blurred out kind of like placeholder-y image so you can kind of see what's coming, but that also helps your, your CLS because it hold it's like a placeholder for the image. So nothing shifts around while the page is loading. So I thought that was also another WordPress geeky, cool thing that I thought would be fun to know about. <laughs> yeah. So many different, different ways and things, tools that you can use to, to have things render out uh, nicely. So that's, that's very good. And we have actually reached the top of the hour. We've kind of reached the end of the show today. <laughs> Yes, I know. We got to wrap it up. I am going to go into my, my Ajax filtering, see if I can get into a little bit of that. As soon as I check my other sites and um, update their PHP versions, because my parting words will be check your PHP version, make sure you're in the eight branch and ideally 8.2 would be, would be great. You want to definitely be in that, in that vein. Um, so I'm going to go update some client sites. I'm going to test them out before I do anything. I'm going to run full backups 
<laughs> and I'm going to keep those backups offsite. Definitely have my work cut out for me today on the testing side of things. Hopefully we've left you with some good optimization tips and we'll look forward to seeing everybody next week. Yes, that was a great show and we'll see everybody next week. Real quick, I want to thank Adam for putting the podcast on Spotify. Adam, I think that's tremendous. Thank you so much for doing that. Thanks everyone. Bye everybody. Have a great day. We want to thank you for coming and spending time out of your day here with us in the WordPress shop. Okay, that concludes this episode. Our hosts will return with another topic in the next episode. Bye-bye, everyone.